0: What's going on everybody? Welcome back to a new episode of Collector's Cave. I'm your host Lawrence Charles and today I have the honor of interviewing my guest today, Devin. Hey guys, Devin here. Uh so Devin, please go ahead
1: and tell us what it is that you collect. I used to collect twisty puzzles, which is kinda like if you know what Rubik's cubes are, they have like all these kinds of different versions that are made by like Chinese companies and then they have like the weird, weirdly shaped ones and those are the kind of ones I like to collect. And I also have just regular cubes as well. And I have over like 30 plus of those uh, cubes. And then I kind of lost them over time. So I probably have like 10 that at the moment. So yeah, that's what I collect.
0: Okay, okay. So you learned how to solve each of those different types of cubes individually? Yeah.
1: Some of them took more time than others, obviously. Like I did like a 7 by 7 That one probably took a couple, couple of days to solve. But then, like, I had some really easy ones, like the two by two by three, and then that one took like I don't know thirty minutes to solve. And a lot of them, I just looked up YouTube videos, and that's mm-hmm. how I learned how to solve them.
0: So did these puzzles all come with like paper instructions?
1: Yeah, or? but they're all in Chinese, so I
0: can't read. Ah, okay. It's like yeah. Max, yeah, I learned to solve Rubik's Cube a little bit over a year ago. Really? And then yeah, and then I tried to use the paper instructions that came with it. But, honestly, I don't know why. Reading it on paper just didn't help me. So, I just... I almost just quit. Really? But I had to... Yeah, yeah I really? had to just go on YouTube and I figured it out. So, it's pretty easy for me now. hmm Yeah. But I haven't gone past a 3 by 3s You said you solved a 7 by 7 Yeah.
1: That's, so- like, the most... The biggest one I have.
0: It just takes a lot of time. It's
1: basically the same thing as a 3 by 3 You just have to, like, combine a lot of the pieces together. You know? Mm-hmm. So... What would you say got you into collecting these twisty puzzles? Well, in high school, I just wanted to, like, impress people, but then no one really thought it was impressive. They just kind of called me, like, lame or, like, a geek, and it was kind of lame, you know? Like, you see a high schooler just twisting, like, a toy around. It, it's kind of, like, looks stupid, but for the most part, I thought it was pretty cool. But then, I that was the reason I stopped collecting, because people were making fun of me, like, oh, why are you playing with toys still? Like, they called me, like, childish and stuff and i just uh that's just yeah that's why i started i just thought it was cool hobby i could get into but then i quit like probably a couple years ago
0: well it is cool you know here at collector's cave we like to highlight all collections so you know forget all those people who say oh it's lame it's childish nah they just mad because they can't solve it yeah or they don't have the patience to learn how to solve it or they don't care yep I'm genuinely surprised I even had the patience to learn to solve it. I probably would have quit if it was anything else. But mm-hmm. yeah, that's an interesting story how you got into it though. You felt like kind of just you wanted to pick up a new skill kinda. Yeah. Yeah. What was the what was the first type of twisty puzzle that you got actually?
1: Well of course everyone starts with the regular three by three. And then okay. from there they just branch off into like the weirder puzzles. Or, like, ah, the, I see the bigger ones. Yeah. The three by three took me like couple weeks to solve because it was really it's like a it's like learning a new language you know Mm -hmm. learning all the algorithms yeah to kind of switch the parts around you would think like oh yeah i just need to twist like and be smart but it doesn't take a lot of intelligence it just takes a lot of patience and
0: it's like common sense to solve it that's true most people think it involves like calculations and whatnot but really it's just just know the patterns and which patterns to use Depending on where you're at. Yeah. It's like, oh, you need to be good at math to, to be able to solve it. But, like, yeah, no. there's no math involved in it. So, in that span of when you started collecting and when you stopped, roughly, how long did you collect these puzzles?
1: I started in junior high school all the way to, like, end of freshman in college. So, that's, like, like four years. Like, I a, four, a total of four
0: years that I, I spent collecting everything. So, like, four years you were actively collecting them and kind of using them. Yeah. Okay. And then... Within those four years when you were collecting it, what would you say you liked most about being a collector of those puzzles? I mean, I, I kind of like toys. I've always liked toys. And it was just like a new—I I see it as a
1: toy. I don't really see it as, like, something cool. At first, it was like, oh, yeah, it's cool. You can install Rubik's cubes. But I just like putting it on my desk and kind of looking at it. Okay, so you
0: kind of just like collecting uh, trinkets in general. Yeah, trinkets and stuff. Okay. There any other trinkets
1: that you collect you wanted to hear about? I collect shoes. Like, that's not a trinket, but, like, that's just the first thing that came to my mind. I have, like, just, like, the basic stuff, you know, like, Jordans and Dunks. Yeah, I mean, it's not really impressive, but I do have a couple shoes. Oh, like, how many right now? Like, 50, I don't know. Oh, 50, okay. Other trinkets I have are, like, I used to collect Beyblades, like, you know, the the tops, like, the spinning tops.
0: Oh, yeah, I know Beyblade. I had a small collection myself when I was younger, actually. Yeah. Still have a few now, but not sure where the rest of them are. No, but I used to get made fun of for collecting Beyblades too. Like, my parents would call me, like, stupid. and Like, oh, you you still play with toys? Yeah, not the parents. Yeah, so it sounds like you were just interested in a lot of, uh you know, just items that could be displayed. Yeah. Okay, yeah, that's, that's a true collector right there. You yeah, know, like to have that on here. All right, so your first uh puzzle that you had in your collection, how did you get that one? Did you buy it, or was it a gift? My mom bought it for me. Okay, so when you bought it, did you... Uh, take it as like a challenge to learn how to solve it or did you did she challenge you to do it? Yeah, I saw
1: it as a challenge just to like learn how to solve it because yeah, like how we said earlier, I thought it took like math and like being smart. Yeah. And then, yeah,
0: I just looked up a video. Took a couple, couple of days to solve it. Okay. So like what's the most unique and weird puzzle you've had and, and solved? Mm, well, I have a couple. Probably my favorite one which is
1: weird is a fidget spinner three by three by one which is like you can change it and solve it but it's also a fidget spinner so you can like spin it like a fidget toy Mm -hmm. Uh, another one is a ghost cube it's a lot more common like i'm pretty sure some people know like you know what the ghost cube is i'm not aware of that actually no oh yeah it's just like a modification of a three by three but it's just way harder and it's instead of colors, like matching the colors together, you're matching the shapes to make a cube. And when it's all like scrambled, it actually looks like not like a puzzle. It looks like a, a piece of art.
0: Oh wait, I think I know about which one you're talking about. It's like the silver one. Yeah, it's silver. It can be different colors too. Yeah, I've seen that one. I don't have the patience to learn how to solve that one, honestly.
1: No, it didn't take that long. It, you just have to know how to solve a three by three, and there's just a couple extra steps to to switch the to just kind of solve it other weird puzzles i would say yeah i have another ghost cube it's like a two by two version which is not because like the ghost cube is like a three by three mm-hmm. but then this one's like a two by two i tried to impress a girl with like my rubis cubes uh, collection but then she wasn't that impressed was she impressed at all like to some extent
0: no ah dang. not not even one bit she was like oh that's cool i'm not gonna lie i am the type of person to just casually try to sneak in that i know how to solve rubis cube to try to impress people or just casually pull it out, like if we're getting food or somewhere and we're waiting for our food, I might just bring it with me inside the restaurant. Are they ever impressed? Actually, yes, surprisingly, and it's funny when people are impressed by me doing it in like 45 seconds, and they don't realize that the world record's like two seconds or something. Yeah. Yeah. And then, even so, like listeners, I highly recommend learning to solve Rubik's cube. It's just, it's a flex to just have and use on people because people look at you like you're superhuman if you can solve one in under a minute. Or even at all, for that matter. I guess the original reason I got into it was,
1: like, just to impress people. Mm-hmm. But then I kind of stopped caring,
0: and then I just stopped caring about Rubik's Cubes, like, as a result. Uh, another thing we like to ask is, while you're collecting Rubik's Cubes, uh, when you were still active and doing so, what was something that you didn't like much about the process of collecting them? The money. Because, like, they're really expensive. Mm-hmm. Like how much did
1: you buy your cube for?
0: My first one that I bought was seven dollars. That's that's
1: a lot of money, like for a high schooler that didn't work. Because I did collect them in high school. Like
0: mm-hmm. Well, I, I bought my first one in college. So, oh yeah, <laughs> dang. Wait, what got you into it, Lawrence? Like, let's let's reverse it. Like, why did you? Okay, well, gotten to me into collecting Rubik's cubes. Well, I wouldn't say I really collect them, but I have four Uh because i just kept buying different types that looked cool to me but what got me into it it's kind of weird i was watching an episode of moon Knight, and in the opening um episode he was solving a rubik's cube Mm. in his bed during one of the scenes and then i don't know why in that moment it just clicked to me i was like you know what i'd never actually solved the rubik's cube and i've held so many before i even had one when i was younger and uh I, I don't know if it was like a hand-me-down or something, but like a bunch of the stickers were missing, and I didn't realize they were puzzles. I thought that they were just like toys that you just twist into. I thought they were just fidget toys, Yeah, you know? And then I saw like a commercial where a guy solved one. And I was like, you can do that? <laughs> so I never even, I thought about actually learning to solve one. And then when I saw that, I was just like, you know what? I think it's about time I learned to solve one. So I ordered one on Amazon, uh, tried to read the instructions. I rage quitted. And then I ended up looking up on a YouTube tutorial, learned how to do it. And then since then, I kept seeing different variations of cubes that I thought were cool. Like, I have a carbon fiber one, mm. a metallic one, and then I have a GAN, which is kind of like you the... You have a GAN? Yeah, I have a GAN. You have, or you're super rich, dude. It was it it was on sale on Amazon. How much would you get for? For like $12. Twelve. Oh, that's pretty good. Yeah. So, yeah, I got a GAN, and then I have like the cheap one, which is my first one. That was just... The one that I started learning with. Mm. But yeah, that's how my Rubik's Cube collection started. Okay, so looking at a picture of your collection right now, I see a 2 by 3 That's actually pretty unique. Mm-hmm. I I wonder how the twisting of that one goes because I usually only see cubes that have like equal numbers on each side. Yeah. And then I'm seeing, oh, that one has a pentagon shape?
1: Pentagon, yeah. It's a, uh, okay. It's mm-hmm. called a kilomix.
0: Mm-hmm. And you got the pyramid cube right there. Yeah, the pyramids. The 2 by 2 the 4 by 4 and the 5x5, does doesn't has a shape in it, like a heart's inside, right? Mm-hmm. And then what's this gear cube right here? It's just called the gear ball. Gear ball. It's like a,
1: a shape modification of the gear cube. It's just like a ball shape instead of a cube.
0: Okay, so like about how long did it take you to learn how to solve the gear ball? Because uh, that one I mean, looks the most complicated out of all of these, I would say.
1: And that's funny because it's actually the easiest one.
0: Really? Yeah, it took me like mm-hmm.
1: a couple hours to solve it.
0: Okay, and what about this one in the corner right here?
1: Oh, that's a a square one. That's a square one. It's like the hardest one there. Like, even though it doesn't look like the hardest, it's probably the most difficult. I was gonna say that one actually looked the most difficult to me out of after oh. the gear ball. Yeah, it's it's like there's shape modifications and colors that you have to solve for, and that's what makes it su- uh, super difficult.
0: So, usually, how long did it take you to learn how to solve each cube that you collected?
1: Um, well, they're all different because the difficulty changes mm-hmm. for each one. The mirror cu- cube. Was pretty easy because it took like a couple hours. It's the same as the three by three, but instead of colors, you're like solving for the shapes to make it into a cube. And then, like, the two by two is pretty easy because it's just the corners of a three by three.
0: That one took like just a couple hours.
1: A lot of them do take a couple hours to solve.
0: On average, how much did you spend on each one of your uh, puzzles? Like, all together? Like, each one individually. Like, whenever you bought one, how much did they usually cost? I'd say, on average, eight
1: bucks. So, if I have 30, eight times that, it's like 240 altogether
0: and this is including the 30 that you said you collected in the span of four years yeah i feel like compared to other collectible items people probably don't resell cubes or like you know have like a market Mm -hmm. for it with trade value and whatnot yeah but how would you say i like to ask this to everyone how would you say the value of each rubik's cube is measured like what makes them worth more or worth less definitely the size the bigger the cube, the way more expensive it is because of
1: all the different pieces that are inside and outside of the puzzle. Because of there's more pieces, the construction to make it is more expensive, and that's why they cost more. But like weirdly shaped ones aren't really that expensive, surprisingly, because they're usually smaller. But
0: yeah, a lot of it is based on size. Okay, so the weird shaped ones that like are outside the cube shape usually tend to cost less? Yeah, cost, yeah cost less than like a bigger cube you think it might be that they're cheaper to make? Yeah. Production-wise?
1: Yeah, I mean, they're all made in China. Like, a lot of them are made in Asian countries. Yeah. Yeah.
0: That's interesting. I didn't know that. So, how would you personally measure the value of each of your different cubes? When you see the puzzles that you have personally, how do you see it and think, oh, this one is worth $15, this one's worth $8? Like, what makes them more valuable to you personally? Some are just, like,
1: Higher quality, like the plastic they're made of is like, um, it, it has like a better durability like compared to cheaper ones or like the colors are probably brighter. They look nicer. But yeah, materials and color is what make it valuable to me if it looks nice on my on my table, you know. Okay. So it's kind of
0: aesthetic how it looks mainly. Mm-hmm. Aesthetics. Okay. See, it, see, it makes me happy to hear you say that because a reoccurring thing we talk about on this podcast is you know some people buying certain things for i want to say hype beast reasons mm-hmm. not really because of personal enjoyment just oh it's that brand so it's cool you know yeah it's like you know buy it because you have a personal appeal to it not because it's the hype you know mm-hmm. you know save your money buy what interests you what entertains you what brings you joy exactly exactly and i think that's a good reason to want to spend more on a cube, you're like, that one looks really nice. It's yeah. creative. It has a unique design. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, it, just, it makes it happy to hear you say that. Yeah. yeah. What would you say is the roughly the most you've spent on mm-hmm. one of your puzzles?
1: It would have to be my biggest one, which is the 7x7. And that one costed, like, I would say 35 bucks. That one's pretty expensive. And I did have a Gans cube, and that one costed, like, I think that costed more, actually, because of how high-quality GANS is, which is a brand of cubing that's, like, the highest quality you can get, and that one costed, like, 40 something I'm pretty sure. I could be wrong. I think it it was way cheaper than that, but that was pretty expensive, the 7x7 and the GANS
0: cube. Well, from one Rubik's cube collector to another, have you seen the GANS cube that they're selling that's, like, golden? No. Oh, wait, yes, I have, actually. Yeah, I saw that one, too. Um... What do you think about that one? I thought it looked really cool, but, you know, I think it's out of my budget. How much is it? I don't know. I just assumed, considering how much they hyped it up, that it would be really expensive. Just a 3x3? It's a 3x3, three three? Three three, yeah. I think it's stickered. Oh. Yeah. Not stickerless. Is it real gold? Well, no. That's, that'd be <laughs> absurd. Okay, so as a person who uh, likes to collect variations of Rubik's Cubes, do you prefer stickered or stickerless cubes? Um,
1: I definitely prefer stickerless because my fingers always um,
0: peel off the stickers just by solving, Mm -hmm. by virtue of it. I know how that feels because I have a carbon fiber cube that has carbon fiber stickers on it. Mm -hmm. And I always get so scared that I'm going to peel it off when I'm solving because I feel my fingernails going going on the edges, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But thankfully, they haven't moved yet. So I think they'll be staying put. But, you know, it, it scares me a bit. But hopefully, it's nothing I have to worry about. Yeah, it takes a while to. I don't know how some
1: people have some really ugly cubes. Like, a lot of them are, like, really peeled. Mm -hmm. But mine stay, like, pretty pristine. Do you prefer to have the high tension or the low tension? Oh, uh, yeah, low tension, for sure. Because you can go faster. High tension is more control, but then Mm -hmm. low is
0: uh, more speed. For those listening and unaware of what I'm talking about, having higher tension on a Rubik's Cube or any puzzle in general makes it. I want to say harder to turn, kind of like having a higher gear on a bike. Yeah. Yeah. So when you have a lower tension, you can turn it a lot faster and it requires less, I want to say force from one finger to flick it for Mm -hmm. a rotation. Yeah. And you adjust it with a screw
1: usually that comes with it. Mm -hmm. Or you can just use a screwdriver you find. Yeah. Which of your puzzles would you say is your favorite one? I would say the Pyraminx is the most fun for me. Like I I love solving that. Like it's my best puzzle and also it's like the most fun for me.
0: So would you say the Pyraminx one is among the harder ones to solve, or one among the easier ones to solve? Because I see those a lot online, but I never actually thought about the steps that would go to solve one. Because even how it's constructed, it looks really uh, unique to me. I'm just like, you know, how does that work? How do you how do you twist that? You know, how do you get that back to the same spot? You know? Yeah, no, it's one of the easiest ones. Really? hmm Compared to a three
1: by three, like because Pyraminx has no centers and it's all just like. It's,
0: it's less movements compared to a regular cube. That's why it's so easy. So outside of collecting these uh, twisty puzzles you were telling me about, is there anything you do collect or anything else you're interested in collecting in the future?
1: Yeah, I would collect, like, pop figures or, like, anime figures. You know, like, the waifus you see, like, at the anime stores. And, like, you know, like, the, the cool ones. Like yeah. The, the really expensive ones that have, like, Popular anime like Demon Slayer or whatever. I'd buy like a Rangoku one.
0: Yeah, I know what you're talking about. I've actually, uh, actually have a collection of pop figures myself, to be honest. Do you? Yes. Very large collection. Actually, I didn't expect it to grow. Um, but you know, that's how, that's how most collections start. You get one, you think you're just gonna get one, and then it just keeps going from there. It snowballs into like yep. in- infinity. I'm at like, I have 68 pop figures right now. Oh. Yeah. And <laughs> we, uh, talked about this in the previous episode, but, What sucks about having a successful collection of something is when you run out of room to put them because I'm slowly running out of room for my pop figures and I'm going to have to address that problem soon. Where do you put them? There's some on my shelf. Uh, I have a dresser that I put them on also. And when I say shelf, it was a shelf I had to install, actually, with command strips on my wall. Mm. But I don't have too much wall space to put these shelves. So, yeah, running out of room on there. But hopefully it's all handled soon. What do your parents think of, like, your collection? Well, they can't really do anything. It's in my room, and it's not hurting anybody, so. Are they like, why are you buying toys? Well, like, they're not toys. They're, I think of them more as decorations, you know. They have decorations in their room. I want decorations in my room. Well, most people think of those as toys. Well, it's because, like, you can't really play with them, so that's why I don't really consider, I mean, they are toys, but. Yeah, I mean, you can, po- they have. They can move the arms, they can. You can't move the arms. No? Oh, you can move the head? You can, they're like bobbleheads, right? Mm, only the Marvel ones are bobblehead. Oh, like the Disney ones. Yeah, pop figures
1: are really ugly. I want the like the the realistic figure. Not what do you call them? Didn't you
0: just I, say you wanted to collect pop <laughs> figures? <laughs> no, cause
1: <laughs> I, I, that's no. I I couldn't think of the name. I was thinking of the anime figures you can get from like anime shops and stuff. You mean figures? Figures, yeah, figurine figurines. I would not. They're so ugly, dude. Pop figures. Okay, sure. Huh? Oh, yeah, sure they are. <laughs> well, you' agree you think they look good yes <laughs> they're they're probably the worst in my opinion of the figures you can get, like collectible figures, okay,
0: we gotta have a conversation about this then, so, <laughs> yeah, I like pop figures because I think that they're ugly, no, I like how they have them for almost everything, you know, and then they have their own little spin on there, mm. it's like. Just seeing how they're all the same but different is mm-hmm. what I really like about it. How they have them for almost every series. It's just something I thought is cool about it. Like They're so simple, yeah. but yet they do so much. All right. Looks like that's all the time we have for today. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to this new episode of Collector's Cave. Thank you, Devin, for joining me today.
1: Yeah, no problem.
0: All right. We will see you all next time.